Meekness doesn't always mean being a doormat. It does mean being a doorway. It means let your attitude and your actions be such that when people look at you and say, how can you, in that circumstance, being given that bad deal from life, being given this unjust situation, how can you respond like that? How can you show joy and love and peace and a willingness to accept what's come your way? That is meekness. It's saying whatever the calling is, I'll take it. You're listening to Life on the West Side. Here's Nathan Guy. Good evening. God bless you all. You know, uh, one of my favorite preachers says this often. He says, sometimes congregation will be full of people, single mothers, people working 80 hours a week, who it just takes everything within them to get their 12 children fed, to get things settled at home, to make sure the job gets done, the food's on the stove, the kids are ready, and they still take time to bring their kids to church. And he says, make sure every once in a while you remind people who are sitting in those pews, you are brave, you are gallant, and God loves you. I just want you to remember that. What we're doing tonight when we get to gather together is a great privilege. It's an honor to be able to worship freely. But I don't ever want to take for granted the fact that when I prepare a lesson, there are people who are here to hear it. And I want to thank you. I want to thank you for putting God first. I want to thank you for, at the bottom of my heart, for living life out loud with the gospel on your lips and in your life. Thank you for being here. Sam was our song leader. It was a small church. And as usually happens, when someone takes on a role and they do a good job, pretty soon they're asked to take on 10 more roles. He wasn't just our song leader. He was our youth minister. He was the bus driver. He was the deacon extraordinaire. He did everything. If you thought of someone committed to something, he was the first one that came to mind. He worked 25 years in the local factory that was in our small town. It changed hands about four times, but he stayed loyal. He kept working. A new company was taking over, new management, and they made an announcement that those who worked and stayed there the longest would get a higher salary. And when the managers came and surveyed the area, they decided the best way to keep their word is to get rid of everybody who had been there a long time. They fired Sam. They replaced him with two younger workers at a lower price. No retirement. No thank you. 
What do you do? Sam looked very disappointed that Sunday morning at church. He said, I guess I'll look for another job tomorrow. He went to work at another factory an hour away, making base pay, starting all over again. I remember asking him, how are you going to deal with this situation? I don't remember his exact words. It's a long time ago. But I do remember his attitude, and it was something like this. I did just fine making minimum wage when I got out of high school, and God will take care of me in this situation too. What do you call the attitude that says whatever's put in my way, I will accept it, and I'll find a way to use it to the glory of God? I think there's a Greek word for that. You know, we did a series on the fruit of the Spirit, and if you were counting, I missed two. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, and then I moved on to something else. There's two more words, and the first word in verse 23 in some Bibles is meekness, and other Bibles is gentleness, but what he means is be like Sam. Sometimes we think meekness means being a doormat, but that's not always true. Moses is called the meekest man in all the earth. I heard somebody say what makes that even more complicated is the thought that what if Moses wrote that? But what does it mean to be the meekest man in all the earth? I mean, Moses is known for striking the rock when he was told to speak to it, for anger and fury that was legendary in certain moments. How can you call somebody meek like that? Well, the reason is because he was told to take the children of Israel on a 40-year safari. And at the end of it, the only hope you have as you walk through all of that is that you'll eventually get to see the promised land. And when it came time for that, God said, I'm taking that away. And Moses accepted it. The reason that Moses is called the meekest man in all the earth is because meekness is the attitude when you spend your whole life working towards something and then it's taken away. And your response is, blessed be the name of the Lord. The equity that you put into that retirement account, and then you lose it all in the market. When you give your money to your children, and they squander it away. The Romans had an interesting uh, evil uh, gimmick. There was a law that said, if you're a Roman soldier... You can compel someone to carry your heavy armor, but you can only make them carry all your baggage for one mile. So to toy with people, sometimes they would stand one mile apart from each other. And one of them would make them carry, make somebody carry their stuff for a full mile. And when they got to a new guard... The new guard would say, okay, great. Now listen, I want you to carry that for one mile for me. And Jesus, knowing that story, 
said, if you are compelled to go one mile, go two. Meekness doesn't always mean being a doormat. It does mean being a doorway. It means let your attitude and your actions be such that when people look at you and say, how can you, in that circumstance, being given that bad deal from life, being given this unjust situation, how can you respond like that? How can you show joy and love and peace and a willingness to accept what's come your way? That is meekness. It's saying whatever the calling is, I'll take it. Every circumstance is an opportunity to show others the calling of God. I know the role I have to play. It's not king. It's servant. God is not overly impressed with our self-importance. Meekness is the opposite of haughtiness, the opposite of pride. Pride is the thing that gets in the way of meekness. But Paul wants to say that the reason to be meek is because of the example of Jesus. You know, in 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing a letter that's going to end by saying, listen, I usually give people two warnings. And if I warn you once and then I warn you again, you don't want me to show up a third time. It won't be pretty. But in chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians, in verse 1, he's trying to appeal to them before he has to get serious with them. And he says, I appeal to you according to the meekness of Christ. Soften your heart. Surrender to what I'm saying. Accept what I'm telling you. Christ did. So should you. We can be lesser lights because the brightest light is shining through us. Remember John the Baptist? John the Baptist said, there is one coming after me who is greater than I. I am not even worthy to untie his shoelace. There's actually a saying that was going around at the time in Judaism, a rabbinic teaching that said, nothing is too low for a servant except to untie a master's shoelace. John the Baptist said, that is too high for me. He must increase. I must decrease. That is meekness. Esther is facing an unknown situation, probably a terror-filled situation. I don't know what to do. I'm worried about my people. I'm worried about my future. I don't know what to do in this situation. I don't know why I'm here. And Mordecai says, who knows? Maybe you were brought for just the right time for just the right reason. Accept the position that God's called you to with meekness. It's God's light shining through you. And we're to be characterized by this way of thinking. It's an attitude of the heart. I think sometimes we, we think in terms of attainment. 
that life is about reaching, climbing the ladder, grabbing the next rung. But Christianity is more about every day in every way asking, what am I receiving? What situation's coming my way and how can I use it to the glory of God? Paul said, I press forward, not that I've already attained, but I press on for the upward calling of God by doing what? By forgetting the things that are behind, reaching forth the things that are before, so that my goal is that one day it won't even be about me or what I've done or what I have to offer, but rather to be found in him. Having a righteousness that's not my own, but that which comes through faith. The word that Paul uses a little bit later in Galatians, in chapter 6, verse 1, to mean coming back when you've ran away, is the word restore. When I hear the word restore, I think of somebody coming forward at church to confess their sins. And it's always embarrassing. We call it the walk of shame, not in purpose, not out loud, but we think it. Restore. Oh, that's when somebody's done something really bad and everybody knows about it. So now they can't help themselves but come forward. That's not the way it's being used. Listen to the language in Galatians 6 and verse 1. You who are spiritual, restore such a person with gentleness, with a meek spirit, and with humility, recognizing that you stand in need of God's restoring power as much as the person you're trying to reach. I love this language. You know what he's saying? When somebody comes forward to ask for prayers of the church, instead of us thinking, I wonder what's wrong with them, our thinking is not them versus me, but us. Us. Restore is the language of to come back into the situation God's called us to be in. And his language is, you who are spiritual, help a person with meekness, which is recognizing I'm in need as much as they. Psalm 23 lays the background for how we can find meekness in our life. It's hard to find meekness when we think of us versus them. But in Psalm 23, he lays out the fact that the only us versus them is God versus everyone else. God's the shepherd. We are the sheep. We, like sheep, Paul says in Romans 3, have all gone astray, everyone to his own way. I have been told that sheep are the dumbest animals on the face of the earth. They look for two inches in front of them, and that's all. If they fall into a river, they'll, they'll drown and die. If they fall on their side, they'll kick and scream, but if left alone, they'll die. And the shepherd has to have constant supervision of the sheep. And so a good shepherd will take the sheep that's fallen between their legs and gently move the blood circulating through the legs of the sheep. And David says, God is our shepherd. He restores our soul. A wise elder, a wise counselor, a wise minister recognizes that you're able to show compassion and service to others. Because we stand daily in need of God's restoring power.
power. Meekness. Meekness acknowledges, it's me, it's me, it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. We all fall short of the glory of God on a daily basis, but he keeps bringing us back. I read somewhere that an airline is off course about 90% of the time. If anybody's about to get on a plane, I'm sorry to tell you this. But that an airplane is usually off course about 90% of the time. But the controller will give some gentle nudges that helps keep the plane back on track. That's why meekness is an attitude of the heart. It's a gentle spirit that recognizes I am constantly in need of God setting me back on track. And therefore, I see the world as full of people like me. And what I share is that the God who has rescued me can rescue you. Humility isn't just something we're called to. It's a requirement. Did you know that in Zephaniah, God says to his people, I want you to seek humility. You know, we pray for a lot of things. It's the new year. You're probably making a whole new list of things to pray for. And it's good to pray for God to heal the sick. It's good to pray for God to forgive us of our sins. Try this one on. What would it mean for us to pray for humility? This has got to be a preacher story because I heard it from a preacher. He said uh, he overheard a, a lady saying to the song leader, listen, you know that song, Years I Spent in Vanity and Pride? When do you stop singing that song? Because I didn't spend years in vanity and pride. And the preacher thought to himself, well, how about right now? You know, C.S. Lewis one time said the first step to becoming humble is to recognize that we are proud. Christians are told be completely humble in everything. Clothe yourselves in humility. When James talks about salvation, it's interesting how he still uses the word humble or meek. And he says, receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Why would he say that? Because you can't receive something with a clenched fist. Meekness means an open hand. We find strength we find power. We find reason to be meek because Christ is meek and Christ lives in us. He breaks our hearts. And then with broken hearts, we approach a broken world and talk about the great healer. This is the story. This is what Paul is calling us all to see. It's what he's calling us to do and be. But even more importantly, He's calling us to have fresh eyes to see this is what is. And it's how God sees you. I've got a daughter. She's 19 months old. She's perfect. Ask me in a year if I change my mind. But she can do some things. She can scream in ways that I don't want her to scream. She can start being a little ornery at times. She can sometimes not mind. 
but it's incredible how quickly and how easily the whole attitude can shift and change. And it's because deep down, no matter how she acts, I have a general view of her as my sweet little angel. Can I just tell you, God knows about your sin. He knows about your struggles. He knows that even though it's your 72nd time asking for forgiveness for that thing, he knows all those facts. But can I tell you, when my God looks at you, he sees you as his child. He sees you as one with a broken heart begging for his forgiveness. He sees you as one wanting nothing else but to be like him because he sees you through the lens of Jesus. And that's who Jesus is. Let that motivate us to be more like him. And one day we shall see him as he is. And God will say, that's interesting. That's how I've always seen you. Thanks for joining. No one has ever loved you like Jesus Christ. I hope you feel that love in every sermon that's preached on this podcast. You can find more sermons, transcripts, study guides at nathanguide.com. Please stay tuned for another lesson and rest in the love of Christ.